0: Good morning. My name is Michael and I'm one of the pastors here at the church and we're very excited to have all of you with us here on this uh, wonderful Sunday morning. Uh, we are starting a new series as Daryl uh, said earlier called uh, The Jesus Way and we are doing it churchwide in the sanctuary and uh, and here as well and Sunday school classes and David and Donna will be doing some teachings uh, throughout the week about it as well. And uh, what Daryl didn't say about the renovare conference is that he will be a part of the worship team um, for that. So uh, if you like you some Daryl, you can get some there. Um, another place you can get a little taste of the D-Love is uh, the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. Um, wow, all right, yeah, it's, it's, let's rodeo, y'all, I guess. Yeah, the rodeo is, uh, is coming up. If you're not from San Antonio and not familiar with the rodeo, uh, get used to it, uh, because this is what we do in February. We rodeo. Um, and uh, this year, as he did last year, Daryl and the Chapter 3 Band will be playing. Um on the night uh behind me. That doesn't look like Daryl though, does it? That picture? Did anybody else go who the heck is that? Like when I first uh, it looks like him like I don't know, ten years ago. Um so it'll be on February eleventh, Wednesday, February eleventh. Uh he will be uh opening for switchfoot. Uh essentially. I mean switchfoot doesn't actually know this. Uh Daryl will be outside at a a different stage, switchfoot will be inside Nevertheless, it is Christian Day at the rodeo. They always throw us a bone, and uh, that is our bone. And so he will be once again at the, uh, the biggest of the, uh, the side stages, the Bud Light stage. Um, so Daryl, God, Jesus, and Bud Light will all be there at the rodeo. Um, you don't have to have a ticket to the actual rodeo or the, or the show afterwards to, to see Daryl. If you just want to go into the grounds, you just got to get into the grounds and then find your way over that stage which is right across the uh it's like right outside the and center. Um so I encourage you to go and uh and check that out and worship with them and um hopefully it won't be as freezing cold as it was last year uh during that time. Uh the other thing is during this series what we are going to do is we're going to do something a, a little different um each of the Sundays with the exception of this one we will be bringing someone on stage who who gets this essentially. And uh, asking them a few questions, either, either Daryl or, or I or Stacey will be kind of interviewing these people who work with different ministries throughout our community and, and also the foundry and asking them, you know, why? Why do you do this? Why do you get up early um, once every so often to come set up chairs uh, for new heights? Uh, why do you get up insanely early uh, every so often and go to the foundry and start making coffee? You know, why do you do these things, and, and what do you get from this? And, and so, we'll be talking with some of those people throughout. And, and if you have any questions about them, please, please come and see us. Um, but we are uh, entering into this this new series called the Jesus Way. And and, and honestly, I am going to. I I used this scripture uh, last week, and I'm going to use it again. Uh, I, I write in the in my notes in my Bible. I write the date that I've used it so that I don't. You know, use John 3.16 for a straight month, even though it's good scripture. Um, but I have, you know, two Sundays in a row here. And I also used it October 7th of oh seven. Anybody remember that sermon? Yeah, I was there in our green series. Yeah, see, people don't remember. Um, Jesus uh, is talking here on John 14. It says this, don't be troubled. You trust God Now trust me, there are many rooms in my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. And you know where I am and you know where I'm going and how to get there. Thomas said, no, we don't Lord. We haven't any idea where you're going. So how, how do we know the way? And Jesus responds to him in, in verse six, I I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus says here, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, was it bad planning that um, I used the scripture last week in the series that New Heights was doing, and then David is using it in this series? And it's just like, okay, Crocker, what are you going to come up with this week? Are you going to say the same thing you did last week? We're not going to remember anyway, so you might as well. Or is it something different? Because honestly, what this book, The Jesus Way, is about is The Jesus Way. I mean, I thought that was kind of playing the title the way here's the issue though when we hear that verse what we want to focus on is the truth what we want to focus on as a church as a body of Christ as an American church is the truth and we stop there we hammer the truth let's get to the truth Jesus is the truth Jesus is the true message of salvation yeah I mean, that, that's right. You can't argue with it. But when we focus solely on the truth, when we're always talking about the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth, is the truth we live in a world and in a society that is headstrong. We're a Greek society where we want to know things. We want to be up here. When we focus only on the truth, we fail God. When we focus only on the head stuff, we fail. Because, quite honestly, we live in a world where there's no absolute truth. We say that Jesus is the truth. Well, what's truth these days, really? You know, what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. There's even some denominations, some Christian denominations. I remember sitting next to a guy in seminary who had a belief that sin was a sin only if it was a sin to you. Yeah, thank you for laughing at that because that's insanely stupid. This guy was like, you know, if I murder somebody and it's not a sin to me. Are you kidding me? Why are you in seminary? But we want to focus on this truth and we want to hammer out the academia of God's word. And we want to get into these intellectual debates. And really that's what evangelism becomes. It becomes an intellectual debate about religion. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to throw at you all the knowledge I have about Jesus Christ. And you throw all the knowledge you have about Buddha or about Hare Krishna or about whatever. I'm going to take it up here, and I'm going to beat you into submission with my knowledge, with my knowledge of Hebrew and Greek and all of the things that I've learned, and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And so basically what our religion boils down to, what our belief system boils down to is a list of statements. How many of you know what the book of discipline is? Raise your hand by show of hand. How many of you know what the book of discipline is? Four... Really? He knows what the Book of Discipline is? Y'all need to get him out. About four or five people know what the Book of Discipline is. The Book of Discipline is, you know, it sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? The Book of Discipline. Yeah. Basically what it is, it's the governing rules of the United Methodist Church. Every four years, every quadrennium, they put out a new version of it. And, you know, they usually only change like four or five sentences or add something or something like that. The the latest edition, the 2008, um, just came out. We just got them in, you know, and cracked it open, you know, and wonderful read, if if you ever can't sleep. But what it says, you know, it's the governing. If you want to know how to conduct a Methodist church, this is how you do it. These are the proper ways to do things. If you want to become a pastor, there's a thing that says this is what you must do to become a pastor. If you want to, you know, whatever, it's in the book of Discipline. The very beginning of the book of Discipline our, is our list. It's our list. I, I don't know if you know this, but what you believe is at the very front of the book of Discipline. It says so right there in the list. Yep, 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 yep. I'm a Methodist. It tells you what to believe right there. And so we've boiled our religion down into this list of things that we put into this book that's hallowed. Yeah, I'm not your typical Methodist. I'm not the poster child for it. But we're not the only ones that have done this. We're not the only religion that has done this. We're not the only uh, denomination that has put forward this is our statement of belief. These are the lists. And that's fine because if people are trying to discover what the Methodist church is all about, you can go to that and see. But if we leave it there, if we just stop at the truth, where's the way? Because when the Hebrews would have heard the truth, they would have seen it in a relational way. You don't take this knowledge and just keep it up in your head. It's how you live your life. The truth becomes a part of who you are, so that your life is spent living that way. The way. But here in America, we want to keep it up here. Eugene Peterson, in, in this book, calls it the, the American way, and. He talks about this drive for a consumer church, this consumer-driven church. And he uses this line in there that is, is just great. And, and when I read it, I, I kind of you know, said to myself in my mind, I went, oh, no, he didn't. Because um, it's like, you know, I'm, I thought it was a pretty major statement. Basically what he says is this. The, the the way the church is going today, the, the American way that the church is moving today in this consumeristic culture that we've bought into and that we're trying to live and grow these big buildings and pack them full of people and do this great show and all these things. He said, that is the church of the Antichrist.
1: I went, Who?
0: And then I got mad at him. I got defensive. I was like, dude, I've seen you. You're like this tall, you're old, you have a ponytail. I could take you, man. You want to, you know, come on, bring it. Because we're a big church. We're not a mega, mega church, but we're a pretty big church. 5,300 members. A couple of thousand people here every Sunday. Got lots of stuff going on in the community. We're a pretty big church. And, and you're telling me that we are the anti-Christ? Well, I don't like that. Because we do it service i think we have great music i like to sit up here and i like to rock out with our music today wasn't really a rocking kind of sunday but you know it's a, i like to you know get in the music and get in the worship and do these things and and i want to hear a good message too and, and, and i want to i want to be a part of it in something like that and, and he says when you do that all you're doing is just entertaining and I thought, wow maybe we are just entertaining We come up here and we dance a little bit and say, there you go. Have a good week. But then I thought better of it and I said, you know what, that does happen. And it doesn't matter the size of the church. It happens from 20,000 member churches all the way down to 20 member churches. There are churches that fall into the trap of entertaining and consumer driven church. And, you know, you come here because you like us, not because you're meeting God. Not because you're learning about Christ and changing your life, but you like us. And there are those realities out there in churches across America. But I think with the leadership of David, we kind of taken a spin off of that and said, yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to do a great worship service because worship is important to the body of Christ and it's integral to worshiping and praising our Father. But we don't want you just to come on Sunday and to do something and then forget about it to change your life you need to change who you are and it doesn't happen here it doesn't happen up here you gotta know the truth but you have to live the way Jesus says I'm the way not I am the truth and the way I'm the way and the truth and the life so what does that mean and you do what he did. You live your life as Christ lived his life. You take the knowledge and you put it into action. In the book of Philippians, if you got your uh, your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 4. I've been kind of doing, doing my own personal study of Philippians chapter 4. And let me tell you, every verse can change your life. You start in chapter 4 and just start reading and, I mean... I dig Paul, but uh, he he outdid himself here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about what is true and honorable and right. Is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are worthy of praise. Yeah, that's what we do. And you know, that's you know, think of these things. Read God's word. Dwell on God's word. Meditate in God's word. Learn about God. But He doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there because He knows there's a huge part that follows. Think about all these things, and then verse 9 he says, "Keep." Putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. Okay, think about these things. Read God's word. Learn about God. If you want to take Hebrew, take Hebrew. Learn the Hebrew roots of it. It's cool. It's awesome. If you want to learn about the history of the church, where it started, and what was going on in Turkey, and all those places at the beginning, go there. Learn about it. Walk the footsteps of the apostles. Do all of those things. And then live your life that way think about these things and then do them that's what he says think about these things all that i've taught you is great and think about it meditate on god's word do but then live your life that way live your life that way take it from here and put it in here take it out of the head situation and move it into your heart and your feet and your hands and be the body of christ in the world And what does he say at the end there? And the God of peace will be with you. Boy, that's cool. He doesn't say, and the God of peace might show up. And if you're lucky and God's not busy doing something on the other side of the world, God will be with you. From time to time, think of these things, do them, and God will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So what does that mean? Learn. Learn about God. Read God's Word. Go to a Bible study. Go to these studies that David and Don are doing and really get into this. I'm telling you, I, I don't do serious study on one little chapter as I have been doing with Philippians 4, but it is blowing me away. Just sitting down and reading it and letting God speak verse by verse learning about what it was, learning about what was happening, what was going on at the time. Why is he writing this at this particular time? Learn and then do. Learn and do. Be Christ. Don't just know Christ. Be Christ. Be God. When people see you on the street, let them see God. And that's powerful and humbling. Daryl alluded to it earlier that uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday, as you might know. I know it is a national holiday for many, um, except when the Cowboys aren't in it. Um, I know, I'm. Re- it's really getting hard for me to, you know, I've been a lifelong supporter of the Cowboys and it's getting hard for me to support them still. This year you should uh, root for the Cardinals. As a side note, one of uh, one of their players, number 85, uh, goes to uh, our church. He uh, is a member here, and uh, his name is Jeremy Irvin. He went to Trinity, and he's a great guy, and he, he, he doesn't come to New Heights, so that's a strike against him, but he does come here and loves David. Uh, so root for them. And uh, uh, another reason why is their quarterback, Kurt Warner. And I don't know if you know anything about Kurt Warner. You might have seen some of the stories that they've had on the news about him or gotten that email that um, I received from a few people about Kurt. Uh, Kurt is a full-fledged believer in Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed about it, and he's not a coward in telling you. In fact, it's become a joke amongst sports re- uh, reporters that every time you interview him, he will give glory to God. And they're like, oh, yeah, get that out of the way. Now let's hear what you really think. And uh, after the NFC championship game, I believe it was, um, he is in this press conference, and he, he gets to the point, and he's like, well, you know it's coming. And they're all like, oh, yeah. I first want to give thanks to God and Jesus Christ. Bam! Every time, not afraid to do it. And so I heard him interviewed uh, because of all the media day and everything. And, and, and basically what he said is at the end of his life, this is, who, this is what he wants to be known for. Uh, Super Bowl win, Super Bowl MVP, no. NFL MVP two times, no. All of his stats, all the great things, no. He doesn't want to be remembered that way. What he wants to be known for, what he wants to be remembered for is that he changed people's lives. Not because of who he was or what he did, but because God dwelt inside of him. He wants to to be known for the fact that when people saw him, there was something different about him and the way he carried himself and the way he lived his life that made them a better person, that brought them closer to God. That's what I want. One day when I die and, and, and people show up at my funeral... I don't want them saying, you know what, he was really funny. And they will be saying that. (laughs) But I want them to say, you know what, when he walked into the room, I felt something different. There was a presence about him that wasn't him. Because he let God live in him. Because he let people see God in his face and in his actions and in his story. He wasn't afraid to say, first of all, I want to give all thanks and praise to God. And because of him, I know God better. Because he allowed God to work in his life that way, I know God better. Boy, that's what I want. When I finish the race, as Paul said, and I see God, God's going to go, that was awesome. You let me be in you. And let me tell you, I fight it on a daily basis because I think I'm smarter than God sometimes. I think I'm funnier than God. I think I'm better than God at times. I think I have a better sermon to give than God. At 9.30 I did, and it was just like a theological poopy up here. At the end of my life, I want people to see that I lived my life a certain way, and it's because of Jesus Christ. That is the way. That is the Jesus way. Not a checklist. Not something to go along and say, okay, yep, I did that, yep, I did that, yep, I did that, yep, I did that. I was baptized, I was confirmed, I've done communion, i prayed the prayer, I'm in. Now, I want to live my life for Christ in such a way that people know him, not me. As John said, I must become less and he must become more. That is the way, and that is what we will be talking about over the next nine weeks. Looking at some of the most amazing people that have ever walked the face of the earth and what made them that way. Why is it that Joseph stood out among his brothers? Why is it that Paul, people still go, Paul rocks. I do anyway. What is it about these people? It's because they allowed God to live in them. And it wasn't here for them. It was their life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you have given us the gift of peace and love, that you have given us the wisdom that you have through through your word, through the Holy Scripture. God, help us to not leave it there. Help us to not study and study and study and keep things in our head, but move it to our heart and to our soul so that it is not what we know, but who we are. And that it is not about us any longer, but about you. God, we pray that you would give us the strength to do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. One of the ways that you can experience the way is by doing what Jesus did and Jesus celebrated the Passover meal and Jesus offered up his life for us. And coming to God's table, coming to the table that he set and prepared for us is a way that you get to experience the grace of Christ. It is a way that you can come and leave your head at your chair and come with your heart encourage you to do that today on the night he was to be betrayed he sat with his disciples around the table and he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks to god and he said take this eat all of you this is my body which is given for you after supper he took the cup and he raised it to god and he gave thanks and he said take this drink all of you this is my blood the blood of the new covenant as often as you drink this do so in remembrance of me and so we come today to the table. And ask that the Holy Spirit would make this, indeed, the body and blood of Christ for us. And that we would, in turn, become a living and holy sacrifice to honor his gift of grace. As those who are coming forward to help with communion do so, I ask the rest of you if you would bow and pray with me. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this gift of life. For this gift of grace that you give us. Lord, I pray that as we come to the table today, we wouldn't see it as as just a mechanical rote event in our life, but we would see it as a life-changing encounter with you. Lord, we thank you for this gift of life and grace. Open our hearts that we might receive it as such. In your Son's name, amen.